Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be well, blessed, welcome. equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless this you. This could be a series that has effect and changes generations to come. So it's that important. So I'm going to start straight away by reading from um, Psalm 65, verse 9 to 13. This is in your version notes. If any of you follow along on that in the C3 Church, you can read these and see the notes that go with it. This is what it says. You, speaking of God, care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you've ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with the bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. And then one other verse from Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. A few months back when I kind of said to some people that I was going to be doing a series or we were here at the C3 Church on creation care, someone said to me, that's a little bit political, isn't it? Now, I was surprised by their response because although politicians and political parties have taken these subjects as they tend to do and hijacked them as though it's their idea, Creation Care was not a political movement or a political party's idea. Neither, for that matter, was it a scientific idea that first came through. It wasn't scientists who first thought of the idea of creation care. Though, let me do say, and be very clear, we should thank God for the science and the scientists that are behind much of what we know in relation to biodiversity and creation and nature and understanding of it. It's a help to us. But they weren't the first ones to think of it. And let me be very clear, I don't have any qualifications in this field well, it's not true. I have O-level environmental science. It was a new subject many, many years ago. And the only reason I did it was because Mr. Davis, the teacher, a good old Welsh guy, um, suggested I did it because he could make me captain of the fishing club. So that's what's behind my first interest in these areas. But let's be clear. The mandate to care and protect and guard creation did not originate with politics or the scientific community. It originated with God. And that, my brothers and sisters, my friends who are watching from wherever you are, it's a, that's why we should address it from this platform. It's a spiritual issue. It's a theological issue. And ultimately, as Christians, we should filter how we look at our world through what God says and what the Bible teaches. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to our path. It should illuminate us. It should fill our understanding so as that we look through that filter. For me, as a Christian and as a pastor, the most important question in regard to this is what does God say about it? Does he have anything to say? Another response that someone did had when they, I said I was going to address this was a, a genuine question. Are there not more pressing issues for us to address in the midst of a global pandemic? Now, I get that, but I think we have to do what John Stott said many years ago. We have to have a double listening. 
We have to listen to God and we have to listen to the world around us. Karl Barth, a famous theologian, said this, take your Bible and take your newspaper and read both, but interpret your newspaper from your Bible. Can I just share something that's very selfish of me, but it's something that I feel strongly at this stage in my life. Just a couple of years ago, my wife and I became grandparents for the first time. And I remember when my mum first held our youngest child, Megan, in her arms. So Megan was is only, she's very young, she's only 22, and my mum was obviously getting on in years. And when she held Megan, she started to cry. And I said, what's the matter, mum? And she said, I just had this thought, I won't be around to see her grow up. And I get that. You look at things slightly differently at different stages of life. And in relation to the future and our world, I've started to think more, not only about my children, but my grandchildren. What kind of world will they live in? Is this an important issue for them? The Reverend Dave Buckless, uh, who's the Director of Theology for Erosha International and also the founder of Erosha UK, and a link will come up in your uh, notes here or in the uh, comments of Erosha UK, so as you can have a look at the work they do, we'll be having some input from them over these next few weeks. He was meant to be doing this talk and he couldn't do it because of COVID and such like and some of the things surrounding that. So I've taken much of his material, I've added to it, I haven't started with it yet but I'm going to start in a minute to today's talk to help us. And he sent through this cartoon, take a look at this that will come up on the screen. And you see that there's the tsunami of the COVID pandemic and a little bubble there says be sure to wash all your hands and all will be well. And on the back of that is the recession that the globe, the world will go into and the nations will be affected by. But then he shows in this cartoon, have a look at it, the climate change that is beyond that, the biodiversity challenge that is beyond that. And we can't be ignorant. We must look and see how, can it, how will this affect the generations to come. There's an excellent book that I would recommend to anyone, really. This is called Salvation Means Creation Healed by Howard Schneider. Great book. And he writes in there this, today we look back at the Protestants of the 16th and 17th centuries and ask, why did they not have a sense of the Christian global missionary mandate? They were very casual. Thankfully, a movement came behind it, but they didn't advance the gospel. Or we look back at Christian slaveholders in the 18th and 19th century and ask, how could they not see that slavery was incompatible with the gospel? Why did they, what did they think they were doing? Our grandchildren, he writes, as they wrestle with ecological issues, will look back at this generation and ask, why could they not see the Christian responsibility for earth stewardship? Why did they wait so long? Why did they think, what did they think they were doing when they failed to defend the forests and the seas and to protect earth's endangered species? Did they not understand what they were doing to their own descendants? We today are the generation that must rediscover and proclaim creation care as part of the gospel, part of the mission of God. This next week, Tear Fund are releasing some research that they did with young Christians, and they are about climate care. Nine out of ten young Christians surveyed are concerned about climate change, but only one in ten of them 
think their church is doing enough. This may not be enough, but this is part of our attempt to address this subject over these next four weeks. So based on Dave Buckless and the uh, message he was going to bring, let me just quickly go through what he describes as the five interventions of God in history that show God cares for creation, and so should we. Number one, creation itself, the creation account based in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. In that account, you see that God stands back and looks at what he's created, and he keeps saying, it is good. The Hebrew word is tov. He looks at light, and he says, it's tov. He looks at land and sea and says, it's tov. Plants and animals, tov. Day and night, tov. Sea animals, tov. And birds, tov. And then land animals, tov. And humanity, tov. And then he stands back and looks at it all, and he says, it's very tov. The word is good. God does good because he is good and he creates this beautiful world and then he gives a mandate to, to humanity so this is where creation care first comes in he says to Adam and Eve that they are to rule and subdue over creation Genesis 1 28 now we've taken rule and subdue as some harsh term which in history has been more about manipulate and rape and the land and, and do harm because we're ruling no no God rules with benevolence and kindness we are those made in his image and likeness thank God he rules with kindness towards us so we're meant to do it with benevolence and with kindness towards our creation we're to be those who guard and keep and as it says in 2:15, to tend and watch over it now there are many benefits in it in fact next week our speaker david chandler who's an arosha trustee and ornithologist he's an expert in dragonflies he'll be sharing about how creation and nature can be healing for the individual we've discovered some of that haven't we in in lockdown where people are getting out seemingly for the first time and appreciating what green spaces and what water does and what clean air and how it helps our mental health david will focus on that next week as we hear it but we're not meant to exploit and manipulate creation we are meant to care for it we too as human beings let's never forget that though we we talk about us being the pinnacle of creation of a created order we're still created beings we're created by God we are part of creation we're not to worship the creation we're to worship the creator but the creation is a reflection of him I know past in the past people have worshipped animals the Egyptians worship worship cats and I don't think cats have ever forgotten that but they're not to be worshipped but they are to be cared for and to be kind towards as those who rule and subdue second intervention was God in this way from God was this humanity got it wrong it's called the fall and at the fall, God steps in and comes to Adam and he establishes a covenant. And this is the second intervention. It comes all the way through the scriptures. God is a covenant-keeping God. It's an agreement with a heartbeat. It's God in his love says, I'll do this if you'll do that. And so much of what God says he, was do he does is not conditional on what we would do. So let's just take one of the covenants, the one with Noah. This is after the world has been flooded. God has asked for animals to go into the ark. 
And those animals have an intrinsic value. He wants to protect them so that they're there when they come out of the ark. He, has, he loves them individually. He wants them as part of his creation. And then when the rainbow is put in the sky as a sign of God's covenant, this is what God says. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Not just between mankind, but the whole of earth. Read Genesis 9, 15 and 16. It says, with me and every creature on the earth. And it says, that of every kind that is on the earth. God loves his creation. God cares about it. And you see the covenants of how even within the Mosaic covenant, there's language that is used to protect the land and to care for creation and to respect animals. It's there all the way through, even with the prophets. Of course, humanity keeps failing and failing, which is why we look towards the third intervention of God, which is when God comes in the form of a baby and God sends his son. This is Jesus being born into the world. Third intervention. John 1 verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. God stepped into creation. Why? Because this was God's plan. This is why we say we are Christ-centered here at C3. The whole of creation was going to be reconciled, including humanity, in Christ that Jesus is the great reconciler. Colossians 1 says this, that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, all things created through him and for him. Everything gets reconciled in Christ. The coming of Christ was a cosmic event. When he died on the cross, remember what happens, recorded for us in the scriptures? It goes dark for many hours. The rocks split. When he's resurrected, the earth shakes. Creation is noticing. Creation is connected. And humanity is restored through the cross with God, or can be. Creation, nature is responding because it's a cosmic event. This is again from the great book I'd recommend, Creation, uh, Salvation Means Creation Healed. Talking about the Colossians passage that I, I just, I've just read, uh, Snyder writes this, Paul begins with the fact of individual and corporate personal salvation through Christ. But he places this personal salvation within a picture of cosmic transformation. We see that the redemption of persons is the center of God's plan. We must never lose that. We must always proclaim the gospel that the redemption of persons is the center of God's plan. But it is not the circumference of that plan. It embraces all of creation. Intervention number four. God sends his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and the church is birthed. The church, the people of God, are the hands and feet, the body of Christ on the earth today. That do, should do what he did, that should represent him and what he wants to do. It talks in Romans about the revealing, ultimately, the end times, the revealing of the children of God, the church. The church has a part to play. Let me read that to you from Romans 8 because it talks of creation. For creation waits. 
in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Creation waits. Now we know that will not be fully realized until Jesus returns, but we can never use that as an excuse to say, oh, one day, because we're meant to pull one day into two day. That's the whole issue of the kingdom, that it's not just then, but it's now as well. So we pray your kingdom come and we work for what will be until today. The final intervention. The day of the Lord, the return of Jesus Christ. Did I hear a hip, hip? Creation is groaning and waiting. But the good news is people and landscapes and all of creation will be reconciled in Christ. We see the Old Testament prophets looking forward to this. Isaiah 11, they say this, the wolf will lie with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat and the calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. You see what it's saying? Wildlife will be in harmony with each other. Humanity will be at peace with each other. And nature itself will be fully restored. This is Eden. This is paradise restored plus some. Friends, the Bible does not teach, this is an erroneous teaching, that this earth is going to be destroyed and burnt up. That's a wrong teaching, particularly that came in with dispensationalism, if any of you know about that. Just watch some of that kind of comic book theology that's out there around the end times. It's not accurate. Calvin, I've got quotes in, in, in your notes from Calvin and Wesley and others in history that knew it wasn't going to be burned up by way of destruction. The fire comes to refine in the Bible, not to destroy. So this whole earth is not going to be destroyed. It's going to be renewed. It's what it talks about in Acts of the restoration of all things. It's what it says in Revelation that he's going to make all things new. Notice, it doesn't say he's going to make all new things. Because this earth, though it's groaning, is beautiful. It just needs to be recycled, revived, restored. Which will happen at the return of Jesus. Not new things, but all things new. Now, if we had time and if we could look at uh, other themes in the Bible, the subject of shalom, that beautiful Hebrew word that means wholeness and peace, shows that there is wholeness in the new creation. The equivalent in the New Testament is the message of the kingdom of God. Shalom means wholeness. We're made whole in ourselves, in our relationship with one another, in our relationship with the earth, in our relationship with God. Shalom. And in the New Testament, the equivalent is the message of the kingdom of God. Our God reigns. As Snyder says, salvation means creation healed, including us at the center of it all. Now I'm going to be, today, my goal was simply to, in a whistle-stop tour, to give a theology, a, a, a biblical understanding of creation care. And how God has cared for and expects us to because he's a God who intervenes. He's a God who's involved. He's not a deist God that's left it all to go. He's involved and so should we be. That's what God intends. So I'm going to be really low, really lean on application. 
because application comes in these next few weeks. We've got two next week, particularly in the week after, where we'll be looking at, so what should we do? What should we do must come in light of the foundation of what we believe, because what we believe will shape what we do. And I want us to look at these things and consider them carefully about what God expects us to do. Three statements and three questions I've got for you as I finish. Creation is good. Do you love it? Creation is speaking. Are you listening? Listen to this from Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Are you listening? Creation is groaning. Do you care? You see, I could have given you all the stats about biodiversity and about climate change and all of that, and that's good. But our filter is the Word of God. And our Bible says creation is groaning. Do you care? Will you love it as God does? Now, I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I'm going to finish with a prayer because I haven't got a list of to-do. Don't anyone take this series as a kind of guilt trip. It's not a guilt trip. It's what should we do beyond here? I want the Holy Spirit to apply it to you, and I'm going to pray for that as I conclude. Father, I pray for everyone listening to this message today. I pray that we'll see that it is something you are passionate about and that we should embrace. Give us wisdom, Lord. Give us wisdom so that we may know how to do this stuff practically, but with an understanding that it's your world. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask this for anybody that's watching, wherever you may be from, across the world, across the UK. Have you ever connected with your Creator? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made in the image and likeness of God. There's something God-like about you. No matter how far you've fallen, no matter how sin-ridden, that is, opposed to God and selfish you are, you're wonderfully made. And for wholeness and health in this life and in the life to come. So it's not just about future heaven, it's about now. The way we connect with God is through that great reconciler, Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the cross. And I'm going to pray a prayer today where you can be reconciled to God. And then this is what you need to do. You believe it in your heart, you confess it with your mouth. Tell someone. Tell someone on the chat that is here. Email into the C3 Church. Let us know on Facebook or YouTube. Yeah, I prayed that prayer today for first time or maybe reconnecting with God. Pray this prayer with me. Say this. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I may have lots of questions still, but I believe in you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for the cross. I may not understand it all, but I know and I believe you are good. I give you my sin. Forgive me. I give you my selfishness. I want to live for you. Today, Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and leader. Amen. Amen. Please let us know that you made that decision because we want to help you as you follow after Jesus. Today we have communion available for those of you in, the, in Cambridge or in uh, Bury St. Edmunds that can go to one of our sites there. 
We'll be doing it in the future in our other site in Colchester so that you can enjoy it. But today, just in Cambridge here, Bury St. Edmunds, we can pray for you while you're in the car. We'll be all wrapped up in the minus one degrees and bless you in Jesus' name. But why don't we finish this part? We're going to come back after this song and these songs of worship with some questions to delve into what I've shared a bit today. But why don't you get involved? Stand wherever you are. Lift up hands of praise to our great creator, God. Let's worship him. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.